Okay, next up, boy, this is going to be a good one too. And, and and this is one that both these teams were wild cards might be too hard, but may, maybe it's not coming into the season for different reasons. And I think right now, both teams' fan bases are are pretty fired up about the way their teams played in week one. This game, of course, would be Texas A&M going to Miami. That is at 2.30 Central on Saturday. The over-under on this one, 49. The line is Miami, or excuse me, A&M by 6.5. That makes for a predicted final of A&M 28, Miami 21. The other, or the computers, here's what they say. ESPN's FPI, boy, these are all over the board. FPI has got Miami favored by a point with the home field advantage. SP Plus has got AM favored by two points with the home field disadvantage. And Jeff Sagarin has got AM favored by four on the road. So you got three, four entities here, three computers and, and the humans. The humans have AM favored by the most. And you've got FPI, which has got Miami favored outright. So this is kind of interesting. Out front, AM, I think, looked great in its opener against New Mexico. Just got rave reviews from everybody. I I heard talk about the game. Full disclosure, I wasn't able to watch that. There were 14 SEC games at once, and somebody's got to get neglected in, in that one. And, and in this case, for me, it was AM. Uh, but oh, I watched it. My, Miami played Miami of Ohio, and when that one was at 38 to 3. Um, yeah, they, that was for, for a defense that could stop you and I last year. So there's that. Yeah, but Miami of Ohio is traditionally a tough, tough team. Like they, they, they play a good brand of football, and I think many people thought, oh, you know, is Miami going to be come out and and really, you know, step on their neck like they like they should uh, in that type of game because that hasn't always been the case for Miami. I mean, look what happened with Middle Tennessee State last year. Uh, you know, other other games that they kind of played vastly down below the standard of what Mario Cristobal has for that program and and to their to the athleticism that they have on that team. So I think that was encouraging for Miami. I, I call this one the desperation bowl, Chris, and I've I've called it that for a few a few more uh, a few months going back. Both of these teams desperately need this game for the aspirations and the direction of their program. You have a a Mario Cristobal led team that has done some moving and shaking of things and in in recruiting and things of that nature, uh, big NIL spenders, things of that nature. Texas A&M, you know, they did that a couple years ago. Now they've been trying to weed out some of the bad apples that got brought in through the process of that and seem to have had have much of a more uh, unified roster, I guess you would say. They've got the the fruits of that starting to come to fruition with their with their defensive front, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure. And Connor Wigman is tremendous at this point. I think he's, you know, listen, I, I had him – really high. I had him really high. I had him ranked, I believe, in the the top five of my quarterbacks in the SEC coming in to the year. And I think he could be even in the upper echelon of that top five by the time all said and done. So we'll we'll talk about uh the the specifics of it. But I'm I'm super excited for this matchup uh down in uh you know is it what is it? Gables uh Coral Gables. Gar- Coral Gables, yeah, where the stadium is. So I think that's that's where the baseball one is. Um I can't remember if the football one's in the same place or not. I've been to Miami, but never to that campus. But in any case, um, 
okay, when AM's got the ball last week, AM averaged seven yards a passing play. It averaged 5.9 a rushing play. Now, where Connor Wegman was in there, but passing numbers were different. He was 18 to 23 for two, 236, five touchdowns. Uh, that that's that's very efficient passing. We know about Evan Stewart. Noah Thomas was a guy that opened a lot of eyes. Uh, they returned some guys on the offensive line. We talked about the running game. Um, Ruben Owens was kind of my breakout guy, one of the highest rated running backs in this freshman class of college football. He didn't really do a lot last week. He was seven for twenty five. Um, maybe he takes on a bigger role. A and M had a, a multifaceted rushing game last week, and nobody really stood out. So Miami last week gave up three yards per running play, five and a half per passing play. Neither team, uh, A&M didn't turn it over, and Miami didn't commit a turnover for whatever that's worth or didn't force a turnover. How do you see this playing out when A&M's got the ball? Yeah, so I think Connor Wegman is tremendous. People, what he didn't show off in this game, he did a little bit, three carries for 22 yards, are his legs. He is a much, much more gifted athlete than people give credit for. Okay, he he can move. Uh, I think you're going to see Bobby Petrino be willing to run some some uh, quarterback power things of that nature with him, some power read. But man, when you talk about the vertical passing game, his ability to give Noah Thomas and Moose Muhammad, who are his two bigger bodied receivers, chances to win 50-50 balls, to go up and and make plays, especially Noah Thomas, a, a younger guy that comes in there six foot four. 200 pounds, you know, three touchdowns, a breakout performance for him. We know what Evan Stewart is. He might be the most underrated number one receiver in the entire league. Mm. And then you talk about Anaya Smith, who is a, a, you know, he's a Mr. Utility knife, Swiss Army knife type guy. They can line him up in the backfield. He had, you know, 49 carries a couple of years ago as a running back for them, had only 11 last year. But he can be used in the backfield uh, to take some of that running back burden for some of those more unexperienced guys. Also, he can be dynamic in the slot. He's a punt return, kick return type guy. I think you're going to see Anaya Smith play a big role in this game. But I'm just telling you, I think look for Connor Wegman's legs to make some key first downs for Texas A&M in this game. The offensive line looked a whole lot more aggressive, a little bit more, had a little bit more of an edge to them than they did last year. They played a little bit more like they did in that LSU game than they did, uh, you know, most other points in the season in this past game against New Mexico. So I think you're going to see Bobby Petrino, really, he's got these these option routes, okay, that are built in. Whatever you give them, he's gonna, they're going to take the opposite of it. And I think you're going to see Miami – uh, try to be aggressive early, and you're going to see Connor Wegman get opportunities to hit shots down the field. Can they execute on a couple of those early? If they do, you may see Miami go in the tank defensively early on because that is not a team. I think the the belief, the self-belief is a little fragile over there, and I think mm-hmm. Texan actually has a little bit more of it right now with Bobby Petrino coming on board. Uh, I really, really like that offensive unit and what they got going on. Okay, when Miami's got the ball, last week was pretty good. Average 7.2 yards per rushing play, 9.3 per passing play. Turned it over on 1.6% of snaps. A&M forced turnovers on 1.7% of snaps. Gave up 3.5 yards per rushing play, 3.9 per passing play. Now, look, A&M's defense, seeing it do that against New Mexico, no surprise. But A&M couldn't really stop the run against much of anybody a year ago. Now, look, this defensive line has got worlds of talent. Uh, 
So if A&M took a big jump up in the rush defense department, I wouldn't be surprised. feels like this is a situation where the Aggies are going to get tested there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Henry Parrish is a guy that we've seen in the SEC before, a transfer from Ole Miss uh, at, at one point in his career, and now he had a nice game for Miami in week one against Miami of Ohio. He's a, he's a tough runner, a slashing type runner, and Tyler Van Dyke is a guy that, listen, a couple years ago people were talking about him being, you know, future first-round pick, all that kind of stuff, because he had such a big arm and things things of that nature yeah. and was slicing people up, had a little bit of a step back at times last year. But he's a talented, talented guy. And, oh, by the way, you talk about SEC faces. Their left guard is uh, Javion Cohen, who started every game mm-hmm. for Alabama last year. So he has played against Texas A&M before. So there is some experience there and some uh, in, in SEC play and stuff like that. So a lot of these guys won't be daunted. But the question is, I think Miami, for these two teams, I think Miami has to get off to a fast start offensively. And it's more important for them than it is Texas A&M because it is a home game. But, Chris, that is not a good college football environment. It is not. And I think what you're going to see, not only could the team go in the tank, I think you could see the fan base or what fan base is there go in the tank if if they if they go three and out a couple times and Texas A&M marches down the field and gets a couple scores I think that environment could go real south real fast so I think Tyler Van Dyke and company have to start uh, fast over there um and and we'll see we'll see how they get going but you know they've got some guys uh, Xavier Restrepo has been around a long time as a receiver but I don't know if they have anybody I think Texas A&M's secondary is a real strength for them with Damani Richardson coming back I really like I really like the leadership over there. I like the defensive front. So, And Tyler Van Dyke is not super mobile. I mean, he can run a little bit, but he's not super mobile. And I think those defensive uh, linemen that came in, a lot of them in that 2022 class for Texas A&M, are going to be really, really salty in this game. And I think it's going to be uh, tough for Miami to get some stuff going offensively early on. Yeah, this was a weird game. I sure did uh like a 19 to 12 final. I'm, I'm trying to look it up as we speak. 17 to 9. Um, I, I think it's going to be a different type of game. I think AM is going to put up some more points this year. Um, I, I've been all over the place on AM, but I'm, I'm really starting to believe I think AM wins this game by more than a touchdown. Yeah, I, I really do too. Uh, what was the spread on this one again? You said that the four and a half is, I think I've seen it. Four and a half favorite. Vegas. I've seen. Um, is a I think this morning covers.com had it at six and a half. Again, you look at the okay. computers, uh, just, just people miss the first part of this. ESPN's FP has Miami as a one point favorite, SP Plus has got AM as a two point favorite, and Jeff Sagarin has got the Aggies as a four point favorite, and that factors in home field advantage. So, I got you, I got you. So, I is, think. Is, Yeah, I, I think you might have a little trouble Wi-Fi wise over there right now, but I think um, Texas A&M four and a half yeah. uh, to six and a half that number. I think they cover that. I think Texas A&M is the stronger team, the more complete team. I like them to make a statement on the road. I think Connor Wigman is the trigger man, the guy that Texas A&M needs going forward. And listen, with what LSU showed on their offensive and defensive fronts at times, man, 
Miami's like like Hunter Roberts said, Miami's got a lot of young guys playing. Give me Texas A and M, and I think they win this game. I think they score. I think I think this offense is a different offense. I think they they score probably thirty one points in this game, and they win like thirty one twenty or something along that line. I really I really like Texas A and M in this one. 